Welcome to the Servants of Fire podcast, where we dive into real-life application of the prophetic, evangelism, pastoring, healing, and so much more. We'll have special guests and your host, Alvin Kaufman. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Servants of Fire podcast. This is Alvin Kaufman, your host. And today I'm joined by a very special guest from Sydney, Australia, Jackie Ford. We went to school together when we were in Bethel. And I have reconnected with her, and she is impacting Australia right now. Hello, Jackie, and welcome to the show. Hi, Alvin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. So we'll get into it. Jackie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, what's it like in Australia? And kind of maybe just give us a brief overview of your testimony. Yeah, sure. So... A bit about me, so at the moment I have a ministry and it's called Global Reformation and here in Australia um, I'm equipping the body, I'm equipping the saints, I love to see souls saved and I've uh, been doing a lot of traveling over the last couple of years to different nations, mostly developing nations, uh, in particular crusades in Peru and Sri Lanka and uh, most recently um, just South Asia really, I love South Asia, especially India. And I've uh, been preaching the gospel over there, doing healing meetings, um, crusade meetings, and also just basically going into villages and preaching the good news, seeing many salvations, and also lots of miracles as well. Um, recently prayed for a bunch of people um, in India, and I saw um, people that had cataracts on their eyes, and they were totally healed. Their eyesight was healed. and. Um, just fed around 20 children um, in an orphanage, so looking to adopt an orphanage in uh, the south of India. So I've just adopted around 20 Indian babies, and so basically making sure that they get food and nutrition, that they're empowered, that they know their identity in Christ, and that they know the unconditional love of Jesus. And then locally in Australia, so my ministry here is more about equipping the body, equipping the saints. Um, even though I do do a lot of like street ministry or as I go, I like to preach the good news and I like to pray for people on the streets. And sometimes I get to uh, not only be a witness, but also pray for people and see people healed of different ailments, um, which is always a blessing. I love seeing people encounter the unconditional love of Jesus. And uh, most recently, I've been uh, prophesying um, to leaders just last week. I was at a gathering of 40 uh, Baptist church pastors and I got to prophesy into their lives and um, I spent about four hours actually the prophetic anointing was um, heavily upon us and so I got to prophesy for about four hours to these beautiful pastors and a lot of them were in tears and they were quite undone because I think in our nation you know leaders need to be empowered they need to know that that they're hearing the voice of their father and they need to know that, you know, they need to be encouraged as well. I think everyone needs encouragement and we all need a ream of word from God. And then uh, the week before that, I was at a national gathering and there was about 170 pastors and leaders from many different denominations. And, you know, we had Catholics, we had um, Presbyterian, we had Baptists, we had Salvation Army uh, leaders and 170 people. And, you know, this um, beautiful guy, uh, apostolic leader from One Heart, 
and he got me to come and to prophesy. And, you know, I was the first prophetic person in that movement that they've asked me to come and to prophesy into what God's doing there. So that was such a privilege and such an honor. And many, many people, many, many leaders um, received a very encouraging word of the Lord. And um, and then uh, I've also been doing some governmental ministry. So it's a little bit undercover. I'm quite... Um, you know, I'm a bit stealth. <laughs> I think sometimes we get to do things that you know, not necessarily is seen in the public eye or we can't necessarily express what God is doing, but um, doing some work in government's quite humbling and, you know, basically um, giving some, giving some keys to jurisdiction over our nation and praying and contending and believing for a righteous government and that righteousness exalts a nation. So I'm believing that here in Australia that righteousness will exalt our nation. So I definitely think I'm not only a revivalist, I'm also a present day reformer. I love bringing the bride together. I love cross-denominationalism. <laughs> and I love seeing, um, I want to see Jesus get his full reward. I want to see many, many souls come to Jesus. Mm. And so mm -hmm. I guess, um, yeah, that's me, what I'm doing at the present tense. And um, so Reformation's truly on my heart, especially for Australia. And um, I guess if you want me to talk about my past. Yeah. So I guess I'll just give you a break for a few seconds here. But a lot of times, um, even in mainstream ministry, a lot of times we see the person as they are right now. And it's so easy just to be like, oh, man, I want that. Or like what they're doing, it's like, how can I be where they are but i mean everybody has a story that didn't always start in the platform or prophesying to people on the streets and even feeling comfortable so if you can go into your testimony like we we both went to bethel and that's where i met jackie so even before bethel how did you come to bethel and you talked to me yesterday about how the vision for what you have in your heart and what you're doing right now has always been there but you haven't been able to actually walk in that yet so maybe you can tie the two things together and just go into your your past history yeah so basically uh it was 2001 that i first um encountered the grace of christ um but i had basically i had an encounter but i didn't really know or couldn't probably articulate what actually happened I just knew that um, I felt his love and I ended up crying and in, in, in tears. Um, but that point in time in my life, I had no community. I had no concept of what being a Christian was or even following Christ. And then I actually spent my 20s um, going out and doing drugs and partying and on this whole party circuit. And my identity was caught up more so in my career and at that point, I had already, you know, in my 20s, I had a disposable income. I had six-figure jobs. I was managing, you know, teams. I was working in Australian media. And, um, you know, I had this life to the world that looked like it was so grand. And, you know, I was traveling the world and I was doing whatever it is that I wanted to do. And I thought I had freedom but really on the inside I was burning up and I wasn't really satisfied and and I think I knew God was real but I just 
I didn't know he was real to me because it wasn't personal and it wasn't relationship. And then uh, it was about 2008 and I just remember I was traveling, um, I, was, I bought a van actually and I was driving through America with two of my friends and, um, and I remember saying out loud like, well, what's the point of living if you live and then you die and then what's the point, you know, and I just couldn't understand like what the purpose of life was and then I remember it was uh, 2008 and I actually hit this point in my life where I um, I actually was suicidal in 2008 and I didn't know what to do and I was stuck and, you know, my identity was caught up in the ways of the world and it left me dry and barren and I remember being at the beach and I said, you know what, if there is a God, if you really exist, then you need to come right now. And when I prayed that prayer, a woman walked up to me and handed me a sunflower and it was though God was actually orchestrating that moment and the Bible says that we could be entertaining angels and not even knowing it. And I know that the Lord sent an angel to confirm to me that he is real, that he exists, that he wants to do relationship with me, that he wants to be connected to me. And then he was truly answering my prayer, the cry of my heart, to be known by him, to be seen by him, to be experienced by him, to know him as the one who truly loves me because I'd never really understood that before. You know, I'd heard God is love and that he loves you, but to actually personally know it for myself, I mean, that's what happened in that moment. And then after that, um, I really got to know what true freedom looks like. And I remember it was probably a year after that and I was in church and I remember sitting on my chair and then the next moment I was like on the floor shaking and the fire of God touched me. Um, it was probably in the year 2010 and the power and this fire and this baptism of fire just all of a sudden gripped my entire body and my spirit man was on fire and I was on the floor literally shaking like baptized in fire and my whole body was shaking for about 45 minutes and my body, like my um, veins were filled with, it was like ecstasy and love. It was the most purest, finest love that I'd ever experienced and I got up from that encounter in 2010, completely changed. It was like my soul was rewired, who I am, who I am like my identity was rewired and it was like my everything that I wanted was God. It was like I was just so hungry for the Lord and that just started a series of encounters from um, 2010. Honestly, the next two years after that, um, you know, I just spent hours on the carpet um, in my local church as week after week I just encountered Jesus, you know, face to face every week. His, you know, his love, his fire. Um, the Holy Spirit was just gripping my heart in such a great measure. And, you know, it was uh, also after that first profound encounter, it was the first time I went to India. And I remember being in India in the slums. Um, there was one particular slum where it was where Slumdog Millionaire was shot. And I was in this slum and these children, all of their teeth were totally rotten and I was holding the children before they had to get their teeth pulled out. Um, and I remember holding these children like in the dirt and 
just thinking about, you know, the level of poverty that they have to have their teeth pulled out so that their gums don't rot where their teeth are. And I just was thinking about just the poverty. But, you know, sometimes we think that we can't change the world. But when we look at one person, we can change one person's world. And then I started thinking in terms of the world and how I can change the world and, you know, how God is love, but he can use me to love other people and that he can use me to draw men to himself through me. And um, it was about that time I had another encounter as well where there's a scripture that said that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And the Lord showed me, I said, Lord, I want to know that scripture for myself. I want to see that scripture. And the Lord took me into an encounter and I saw Jesus on the cross and I saw his body and there were just, his whole body was like ripped open and there was blood gushing out from his body and, you know, there was big gashes taken out of his body. And then I saw the world and I saw it was like tar in the world and the tar represented like sin. And then the Lord said to me, and he basically took all the tar out of the world and it got like sucked out of the world and sucked into the body of Jesus, like into his very flesh and into the scars in his body. And all the sin of the world just went into his body and into his brokenness. And, and the Lord was saying to me, like, this is what I did and this is how I reconciled the world to myself. And he was showing me that he who knew no sin became my sin so that I can become the righteousness of God. And he was showing me that he did that for the entire world. If people choose to have Jesus as their personal savior, then they'll... Yeah, you brought us through your journey of before Bethel. So how did you end up actually making that trip to California from Australia? Yeah, so uh, Bill Johnson comes to Australia periodically and he comes to Sydney and I just remember listening to him at a conference and I thought, wow, there's something about this man. And then I remember seeing um, one of the movies that had Friday Night Strikes in in it. I think it was um, Finger of God. One of those movies, yeah. and I remember watching it thinking, wow, that Friday Night Strikes, it's really cool. I want to go and do that. And it had like Treasure Hunt Ministry. And then I looked and, and I saw, oh, I was at Bethel Church. And I thought, wow, I have to go. I have to learn how to, how to you know, be a witness for Jesus. And I was so encouraged when I saw, you know, Friday Night Strikes. And um, then I started like listening to Bethel podcasts and and then I thought, well, I'll go and visit and see what it was about. So 2011, I went and visited Bethel and um, that was when um, Chris Valentin actually prophesied over me while I was there and he said that I'm pregnant with a spirit of reformation and I'm having twins. So that was double the anointing. So I've been walking that word out ever since 2011 and um, seeing that word come into fruition. But basically, yeah, so I was visiting Bethel and then (laughs) while I was visiting, I knew I had to apply. I knew there was something about Bethel that I just needed to be there. I needed to be in that environment. So I put my application in 
and by faith because here's one thing like you know to move from Sydney to move to Redding California but having no uh, money or you know not even have the ability to financially provide um, and I ended up being there for three whole years three years of school I did two years in the school and then uh, one year internship and the whole way the Lord provided such a miraculous journey of walking by faith and I really saw the hand and the provision of the Lord that you know saying yes to God you know there's, there's provision for the vision he really does make a way and then even my experience of being um, at Bethel you know People think, what is it about Bethel? But just being in that environment, for me, I'd had shame from my past. But being there, it's like Isaiah 61, 7. It says, for your shame, you shall receive a double portion of honor. And I feel like for me, that's exactly what I got, that he took away the shame of my past, that he took away the pain from the history that I'd been through, um, that he'd taken away that I put um, so much emphasis of my life was on worldly ways and it, I'd created or I'd come into um, agreement with shame that says because I've done something bad, therefore I've become someone bad. But it's such a lie. It's such a lie. You know, when we receive Jesus, we become born again. We're born of the Spirit and we cry, Abba, Father. And we receive his unconditional love and he does make us as pure as snow. And the same way that the father looks at the son is the same way that he looks at us. He looks at us spotless. He looks at us blameless and pure and lovely. He looks at us through those same eyes. He loves us the same way that he looks to Jesus. That's the same way that he loves us. And so just knowing this love and, you know, knowing it through God's people um, in particular, my revival group pastor, Abby Stumble, really showed me the power of unconditional love. She was the one that just was the person of Jesus with skin on, in the flesh, speaking life, speaking truth, speaking the mercy and the love of God into my life. And, and I remember she got me to stand up in front of our whole revival group and confess um, the things that I'd done that had caused me pain and caused other people pain. And it was in that moment that, you know, men came around me in my revival group and basically like just loved me in that place of total vulnerability and the total pace of, of pain and of torment and loved me into a place of health and you know, how the way that I see myself now, I see myself how God sees me and I see myself as, you know, a daughter of the king and that, you know, it's only by his stripes that I'm healed, but having people that represent, you know, a culture of honor and it's not because I deserve it, it's because he's the one that's worthy and he's the one that is faithful and that people were faithful to me because they knew his faithfulness and that just forever changed me. You know, it gave me such a great ability to know that I'm loved and because I'm loved and cherished, I can now go and healthily love other people and do it with such a way that, you know, I can honor others, not because they're worthy of honor, but because I'm honorable because the king has honored me. And it just changed my life. It changed my perspective about people and changed my perspective about people that were going through pain and through shame. And um, it really empowered me to love 
in such a powerful and um, just such a freeing way to really love. So I'm so mm. thankful. Right on. Well, now that we only have a couple minutes left, um, one question I do have for you is being in that environment and even for myself, I know that it's easy to get the tools and the people around to love you. And for those maybe that are listening, how would you, maybe they can't go to Reading or experience all of this. How would you push them in a direction? Maybe it's a resource. Maybe it's scripture. Maybe it's just getting um, the shame out of their heart. How would you tell somebody to pursue vulnerability in, in a way that um, is healthy for them and that they can be loved in that place just like you were talking about? Yeah, I would say um, the best place to be is vulnerable before the throne of God. Mm-hmm. Because if you're truly expressing your heart and you're not withholding who you are to God, then he'll invade every part of your heart with such a fire and such a sense of acceptance and belonging. I feel like his voice is is like directionally and profoundly and to be purposeful with your life you need to hear his voice over the top of every other voice and I would say as well to find people that are merciful and compassionate but not in a way that is unsanctified in a way that draws you to a higher standard and in a way that you can have people in your life that are just like Jesus but will ask you the hard questions that will ask you about the deep places within your heart, people that you can process pain with, people that will walk through the issues of life with you, people that have your best interests at heart, and also people that can teach you about things that they've walked through, for example, boundaries or being humble or even just you know, being around people that are wise or faithful or that stewarded well with the Lord. So I would say... Um, find a good mentor or even, for example, myself, I have about uh, four or five, probably four like strong spiritual um, fathers and mothers in my life and they're like a go-to for me. You know, if I'm going through something and they don't all have every piece of the puzzle, each one of them has a different piece of the puzzle. Each one of them represents Christ in a different way. And in their own right, they're all humble, wise, caring people. But I have particular people that if I had an issue in my life or I really need to have wisdom in a particular area, then I'll choose one of those and I'll have a coffee with them. I'll have a conversation with them. I'll be vulnerable. I'll express my heart. And I would say this. Set your face like flint. Set your face before the Lord. Keep your eyes upon Jesus because he really is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And don't withhold yourself from him. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I just want to hold this one thing and I don't want God to touch that area of my life. I'm just not ready for that. But the truth is that the more that you are vulnerable with him, the more that he'll breathe healing and life and the more that He will touch your heart. He'll touch your life. And just like the scriptures say that, you know, every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights who has no variation and no shadow of of turning, that he never withholds. Then he's a good, good God. Then he's faithful and he's true to his word, that he watches over his word 
to perform it. We don't need to perform. He watches over his word to perform it. So God is who he said he will, will be. He will do all that he said that he will do. And, um, yeah, I guess also I'd say the Holy Spirit is your best friend. Treat the Holy Spirit as though he's with you always. Ask him questions. Tell him things that you're believing. Confess your heart to him. And you'll always walk in victory. And, um, yeah, just bless you. Well, thank you for um, taking the time to come on the show today. And I hope to have you back because there's other questions that I have burning in my heart to ask you. And I think it would be great for um, every listener to understand your journey a little bit better. Um, So before you go out, one question, what is one resource that you... Um, maybe it's a book that you just absolutely love that you would love to pass on for other people to look into. The Bible. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I don't want to sound cliche, but you know, it's like I, I read my Bible and I worship the Lord and there's definitely some books. I would say, um, depending what, area that you are interested in or that God gives you a dream in your heart about that read particular books about that for example I'm very much um I'm my ministry is basically about salvations and saving souls so I read a lot about the healing evangelist I read um Bosworth, I read about Lester Summer, I I read Smith Wigglesworth. I'm about the old school healing evangelists. I read God's generals. You know, I read these about these mighty men of faith who have gone before me. I read about Catherine Kuhlman and Maria Woodworth Etta. And I read about their lives. And I think, well, they have the same Holy Spirit that I have, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that lives inside of Bill Johnson, the same spirit inside of Jackie Ford, the same spirit (laughs) inside of these old school healing evangelists. So I read about people's lives. And, you know, the scriptures say the testimonies of the Lord are an inheritance forever. So we can read the Bible and we can take those testimonies as our inheritance. We can take them as our own, as the ones that have gone before us. Joseph, Gideon, all the people in the Bible, Ruth, the ones that stewarded well, the ones that had victory because they believed in God and they believed that his word was true. So, yeah. Amen. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me and um, we will catch you guys later. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on the third episode of the Servants of Fire podcast. If you could give us a follow on Twitter at Servants of Fire Pod or our Facebook group, Servants of Fire Podcast.